Hello again, and thank you for downloading this episode of It's a Grey Matters podcast. Yes, it has been a very long time. I won't exaggerate, but it's been too long for me to remember what the last episode was. So it's been a long time, I know. I'm the first to admit it. We got some things to work on, mainly scheduling ourselves appropriately to sit down and do a podcast. But every now and then, you get a really cool podcast opportunity, and you gotta take it. And this is what this episode is today. I'm just in the intro. The rest of the podcast is with the other host, Jeremy. He was able to sit down with our guests um, on this day and record. Um, The guests are, and I hope you guys know these names. If you don't, I hope you remember them after this podcast. Some people who are very dear, very friends of mine, very close to me. The first one is Pastor Abraham Pedraja from California. I grew up with this dude in the ministry. He's come up a lot. We're very close friends, my family and his. And uh, he's just an encouragement. Every time he comes up, he's so encouraging. He's just got a fire of God, fire of evangelism, which is what this episode is about, evangelism. And the other guest, and someone who's also very close to me, actually probably even closer, my dad, Pastor Tyrone Gray. He was there as well, of course. So, yeah, I missed out. Go figure. I just wasn't around, I guess. Um, I had some other things I had to do, and they had an opportunity to take it, and I said, guys, go for it. Do it. I'll listen to it later like everyone else. I'll have a blast. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen along with you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this. This episode is mainly about evangelism. I'll say it's, it's you know, basically the main focus is what is evangelism, how do you start an evangelism, stories of evangelism, and so on. You know, it's it's kind of something that you, we don't really talk about too much evangelism, you know, but when you hear from people who have been in the evangelism game for as long as they have and seen the things they have and seen what God can do in people's lives and how people are used by God and how people grow through God, it, the stories are really astounding and really encouraging. So I hope that when you guys listen to this, that you get encouraged to be an evangelist yourself and, and evangelize to the friends around you and, and don't have fear like me. I, I, I will be very clear with you guys. I, I am afraid to evangelize sometimes. And this podcast really encouraged me to step out in my faith and just share the good news. Amen. So I really hope you guys are encouraged with this. I hope you guys have a good time listening to this. I do want to point out something uh, with the audio. It's it's fine. There's nothing wrong with the audio, except for that when they did this, they had time. He grabbed his equipment. He set it up in my dad's living room. So it's not the most ideal place to you know record a podcast, but the voices are clear. Some are quieter than others, but that's fine. It's all listenable. It's not like it was recorded in a bathroom with the shower on or something like that. You know, you don't, you're don't. you not going to hear some toilet flushes or, you know, some crazy stuff going outside, like cats fighting or anything. It's pretty listenable, but I just want to address it because I'm a little weird with audio and I always want to present what I can. And This was just had an opportunity. You had to take it and I'm glad we did because it's a great conversation. So I ho- really hope you guys enjoy that. Um, we will be having a podcast again soon with me and Jeremy um, like I said, it's just a scheduling opportunity thing. So we'll get it done. We'll get together. We'll do it. Um, and I think that's all I have to say. I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this. And I hope that you guys, um, continue to listen to these podcasts and share them with your friends. If you don't maybe know how to, you know, evangelize, say, Hey, I, I got a podcast for you to listen to, you know, and I really hope this is a resource that you guys can really use to your benefit. Um, 
But before we get into that, I do want to mention, if you guys want to email us, reach out to us, if you have stories of your own, encouraging things that you want to share on this podcast of your own, any stories, any testimonies, you can reach out to us at our email address. It's it's a gray matter podcast at gmail.com. That'll go directly to me. And just share whatever you want to share on there. Um, just encourage us and we can encourage others with that. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this. You can fa- find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all the same. But I hope you guys enjoy this. Look forward to more coming out soon. But until then, here's a treat. And thank you so much for downloading again. Have a, have a great time. Have a great day. God bless. Welcome, everybody. Uh, we just wanted to uh, take some time to sit down with a very special guest that we have up here in the 206. His name is the pastor, the evangelist, the one and the only Abraham Pedraja. Can you say hello to the people, please? How are everyone? How is everyone doing? God bless everyone. He just sounds more dynamic just with his accent already. And we have the one and only Last but definitely not least, uh, Mr. The Papa Pastor Tyrone Garay is here as well. Hey, uh, hello everybody. I'm excited to share about uh, what we're about to share about. So uh, today we're sitting around the round table and we figured we had talked about, a little while ago we had talked about the prophetic with the one and only Prophet Rob Sanchez. Shout out to him and uh, all the work that he's doing. But today... We have Mr. Pertraha here to speak about evangelism as well as uh, Tyrone Gray, who they like both world travelers and uh, both believe in uh, the work of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to break right into it. Uh, either one of you guys, let's break down into what, uh, why evangelism. Yeah, go ahead. Well, evangelism uh, to me is, uh, that's what Jesus says, is go out there and make disciples of all nations. So I believe that without evangelism, the church can't grow. The true gift of an evangelist is to win souls. So that's what God is into, winning souls. And that's what God has called me to do also, to so win all souls. all he does is win, 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 no matter what. Win, build, and send. That sounds like a, a motto. Yes. It just happens to be, both of these men are out of Praise Chapel, uh, in case you didn't know. Uh, so, Mr. Pastor Tyrone, what do you think, uh, is just the value of evangelism as opposed to what a pastor does or what a prophet does? Uh, can you just talk about what they're, what they're called to that is different? Well, first of all, I would say that evangelism is definitely the heartbeat of God. It's the, you know, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all come repentance. So that's the whole, the whole theme of the Bible is redemption. Right. And it's good to have the prophet to, to give uh, instruction in, in some things, also the teacher to equip and the pastor to care. But the evangelist is the gatherer. He's the harvester. He's the one or she's the one that goes out there in that gifting and and uh, reaches the souls. But it's not just the evangelist as a, as a like from a revival um, service or just a a person that just comes to your church and does um, does uh, evangelistic uh, meetings, the evangelist is in your church. The evangelist, you need that component, I would say, in every single ministry, from children's to worship to 
to greeting, to whatever you do in your church service and your function from, from Sunday to Sunday, you need um, an evangelistic um, component. And I think um, that's the most important thing. So evangelism, I would say, in its value, without evangelism, we might as well just go home, right? I mean, might as well just, you know, root for the rapture and just let's go on a mountain because we're done. But, you know, he's not going to come till we're done. He's not going to come till he says we're done. So evangelism is definitely the heartbeat of God. I mean, just like, I mean, just having any profession, there's a, there's a few that make it look really good and there's a few that make it look uh, not so good. So what are kind of some misconceptions about the evangelist that maybe turn some people off or make people very cautious about what that person's speaking or bringing to the table? What do you think are some of those kind of misconceptions? Well, one of them is that uh, they go in there and they hype up everybody and with like a hype uh, type of service. Like manipulating emotions? Yes, and they message your feelings and emotions. And that's not what an evangelist is. An evangelist is called to win souls. His gifting, a true evangelist, works out of the local church. Um, he'll work out of the local church and he'll build the local church or win souls for the local church. For example, this one gentleman, uh, guy in our church, tells me one time, I, I'm an evangelist. I go, well, okay, that's fine and dandy, but if you're an evangelist, you need to come and bring people to our church. Go and win some souls and lock them into our church through your evangelistic gifting, and then I'll consider you an evangelist. So he went out, and he won 40 people to the Lord and brought them to our church. Wow. That, he proved me he was an evangelist. Hmm. He didn't. It wasn't hype. It wasn't emotion. He witnessed and preached Christ to him. That so, was the gift. So, what do you for somebody who doesn't necessarily have an attachment to, say, Christianity or religion altogether? When you say win souls, what does that mean? It means to testify of the goodness of God, uh, reach people who who are unchurched and don't know about Christ, and present them uh, the gospel. Uh, the gospel is the what Jesus came to present. He brought the good news, the kingdom of God, you know, that has come on earth. Peace uh, to all men. Peace on earth, goodwill to all men. So the gospel is all about redemption, like Pastor Tyrone said. God came to redeem human, uh, mankind. And when you present the gospel, uh, that's what evangelism is about. You present the gospel to them, and they give their life to Christ. The Bible mm -hmm. says you must be born again. So you... You present them the plan of salvation for mankind that Jesus brought to this earth. Mm. So, uh, Pastor Tyrone, when it comes to the between evangelism and, and prophecy or, or a prophet, um, obviously that is more towards of hearing what God's doing for someone and bring God's voice to them. So what, what is the dichotomy, the separation for an evangelist as opposed to the written word and the knowledge thereof and hearing God's voice um, in a moment and kind of putting those together. So what's, what is the difference in that spectrum as far as what you're saying and the way you're maneuvering within the Holy Spirit? Well, of course, you know, from a, a prophet has, you know, their, their gift of, of course, hearing God's word, hearing, uh, you know, getting some inside information, you might say in that sense, but from an evangelistic, um, I wouldn't, kind of, I'm, I'm not trying to, I, I would like to simplify, you know, the evangelistic 
um, ministry in this sense. I mean, in the book of John, it talks about the one woman at the well. I mean, she's she gets turned on for the Lord, and, and she's excited, and the Bible says she went to her city, you know, being a woman who was living with another guy, you know, she didn't have a good reputation, but yet, because of this... Um, of what happened to her life, she turned that whole city upside down and they all came following after Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, that was, that's the simple form of evangelism. So I, or as an evangelist, I wouldn't say that some people, sometimes I think what we destroy the evangelists and when we give them a title, when we give them a, a label, when they need to just be who they are as an evangelist and, um, and they have that evangelistic, uh, flow and sometimes, you know, when we do that, it, it I don't know, it just seems to kind of uh, taper down. So I, I, could, I wouldn't say that, you know, I don't know what the, you know, the in, in the sense of working together, like from a pastor's perspective, I see someone who's an evangelist, he's always bringing people to the Lord, bringing people to Christ. They're, they're either in or out of church, but they're always seeing people get saved. It's their mm -hmm. passion. They, they love to see people come to the Lord. And of yeah. course, we all want to do that. We all want to do that. But there's some that just do it to a, a, a more of a larger degree. Then, of course, you see the one who's prophetical, one who's um, a prophet and, and has prophetic sense, and but they use that prophetic sense to reach the lost. Mm -hmm. One I know of a of, you know a very popular uh, prophet in our realm in our circle that he what I love about him so much he's evangelistic. He's not just for the church like like uh, Pastor Abraham was talking about. You know, oh, I'm an evangelist, but there, we have a lot of evangelists to the church. They just they're evangelizing the church. They're not they're just that. And, you know, I need meetings to preach. I'm an evangelist. Um, and, and same thing with the prophet. It's just like they're just a prophet to the church. And it's neat to see pro, uh, the prophetical working in an evangelistic way where you're walking down the mall and you start to witness to somebody and you read their life. I mean, you think about Jesus walking in that prophetic, w uh, speaking to that woman at the well, knew her state, knew where she was, how she was living, and spoke things. And she ran and said, this guy told me everything about my life and and and, and turned things upside down. Yeah. And that that's where I see the evangelistic and prophetic working together in a way of for the sole reason bringing people to christ hmm. i think there's like the old thing about you know jesus ministries how many times it talks about along the way or when jesus is walking all the people that he sees to the left and the right to the side of the street you know it's it was never like jesus showed up at the church service and was on the platform it was always amongst the people you know and i think that's um a great testament to him because he understood people he understood meeting them along their own process uh and i think there's a big part of um, evangelism has to do with story uh, and bringing kind of God's word to life, one, um, but also the power of testimony, um, just because that is, you know, the spirit of prophecy. Uh, so can you speak a little bit about, you know, an evangelist, an evangelist uh, ability to make the word of the Lord and the voice of the Lord relatable um, to someone who maybe hasn't heard of um of the Lord or maybe separate from what God's saying. Um, so I, I mean, just especially in, in Jesus's life, the way he used story, he used metaphors and those things. Um, so can you tell me about a little bit about story and testimony and the role that that plays in being an evangelist? Yes. You, Mr. Pastor Abraham. Yes. Well, uh, I think testimony has a lot to do with it. When you go out there and you tell someone the testimony of, what God has done in your life and what God is, how good God is. I think testimony is, is perfect uh, to use in evangelism. Uh, it's worked for many, many years, for thousands of years. Uh, it worked for the lady at the well when she gave the testimony of what Jesus did. 
And when and when uh, Philip uh, met the eunuch and he testified and gave his you know testimony to the eunuch, he baptized him. That eunuch from Ethiopia went back to Ethiopia. That's how I had a big revival in Ethiopia. So I think testimony is a big part of it, and uh, testimony about what Jesus done. It has to be about Jesus, not a bragamony, a testimony. Right. What Jesus done, hmm. and when you present. Wait, Bo- so that'll, that'll preach. Yeah. Boastimony, bragamony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't want a bragamony. We want a testimony. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody got so, time for that. Yes, sir. So when you testify of the goodness of God, the Bible says the goodness of God leads a sinner to repentance. Hmm. So when you testify how good Jesus is about his mercy and grace, and the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins, when you can testify and you give testimony of this, that's very impactful hmm. in people's lives. So I think number one on my list would be a testimony hmm. of what Jesus done. You have anything to add to that, Pastor Tyrone? Well, yeah, I, I mean, our real life stories. You know, people want real life stories. We're sometimes, sometimes we get too churchy and uh, in our Christianese, you know, and people are just like can't identify. They don't understand. Within the church, we can share things and, and people get pretty excited. But really... I think um, the church is really working hard to try to uh, reach the unchurched, reach the, the in the sense of religious, the unreligiously educated people that have not ever ra- been raised in church at all. And one of the things that I think that really reaches them is real life stories, miracles, but not just not only of what God has done, but what God can do and God is doing. And I think that they're, yes. they can't explain that. You, They can't explain. Right. Uh, they yes. don't want religion. They want real-life stories, real-life testimonies, and even an experience themselves. And that's what uh, that's when you look through the book of Acts, you know, you, you might say, well, they were reaching a lot of religious people. Yes, they were. But when they started reaching the Gentiles, they were really, uh, you got these Jews reaching these Gentiles that were, that were unlearned in the scriptures. They mm-hmm. had a lot of pagan gods and, and whatever, but they, could, they had to relate. I mean, Paul had to say, hey, let me tell you about this unknown God that you guys are worshiping here. He had to relate to them mm-hmm. and, and share with them. And then, of course, demonstrate, because that's what Paul says. He said, I don't come to you with words of wisdom. I come with the demonstration Mm. of the Spirit. So he had to demonstrate to them the miraculous. And I think um, the miraculous and and our testimony and the life-changing power of God plays a vital role in evangelism. Mm. Yes. Signs, wonders, and miracles need to follow. Yeah. So if signs, wonders, and miracles ain't following what you're presenting to the people, uh, it... It, it won't be as impactful. It won't impact as much as if you, when you testify of what God, who God is and what he can do and what he's doing. But when they see it, it makes a big difference. Hmm. When they see it, it makes a total big difference. And that's putting a lot of pressure, of course, on the evangelist. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But it's, it's a good pressure, or you know, it? in the sense of, you know, reaching out. I mean, uh, a simple evangelist out of a local church who has an evangelistic gift, he's in the mall, she's in the mall, and starts talking to somebody about their testimony, how Jesus did this in their lives and, and so forth. And, hey, let me pray for you. I can notice that this you're sick or this or that. Let me pray for you. And then the, for them to feel the power of God or even get healed, that is, uh, that's an amazing thing that happens. And it happens when we, when we say, God, I'm going to put you on the spot. God, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to put you on the spot because you're the one that's trying to reach him. Yeah. He's 100% right. Uh, you got to know your position. 
problem with a lot of Christians, even ministers, they don't know the position they hold in Jesus Christ, that our position is in heavenly places. The Bible says we're seated in heavenly places. So our declaration, uh, what we proclaim, what we declare, what we announce, what we decree, uh, what we speak is coming from heavenly places. So our authority comes mm. from heavenly places. And if we understand our position in Christ, that it's in heavenly places, and that authority comes from the heavenly places, we will have a tremendous impact and authority that Satan cannot fight against. Mm. Yes, I look at it in the sense of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Preach to him. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think there's... You know, when you when you talk about the pressure that comes on, it doesn't. I don't think it matters whether it's the evangelist or a prophet, or you know, when you you know you're saying the Lord's gonna do this X Y and Z. Sometimes we take it as our own. You know, you attach your identity to say, okay, well, like if God doesn't show up here, I'm gonna look like an absolute fool. But that's, I mean, that's part of like our relationship with God, anyways. First, but it's not on us. It's not like I can heal him myself. You know, it's like you said, it's putting God in the spot, giving God a chance, you know, to prove himself and to show up. And I think that God's an addict to risk. You know, he's attracted to people who like, oh, this person really believes I'm about to show up, you know. And I think that, you know, that takes the pressure off of me. My job is to be obedient, to do what God's called me to do, you know, in that moment. So God to go speak to him. My job is to open up a doorway with that person relationally, not that I'm the one doing the healing, it's only going to come through the Holy Spirit, you know? Right, so, right. um, and I think when it goes back to the, the telling stories, um, I think we've told, especially in like Christian realm and the church setting these stories so many times in the Bible that we've sugarcoated so many times that a lot of these stories, if you really get into it are a lot more scandalous than we lead on. Um, cause you want to turn it into a, like a child story and you want to be able to speak it to all ages. But a lot of them are like, when you, if you put them into a movie, you'd be like, this is wait, this is in the Bible, um, but how things really go down. And so I think sometimes we do a disservice by sugarcoating because you take away the relatability of somebody in real life situations. You know, it's like, well, that happened 2000 years ago. And like, well, they're in a lion's den. Woohoo. But it's like, wait, what? Like we're talking about a lion's den. Um, and that's like some like terrorist type stuff. You know what I mean? So like our relatability also changes with our our willingness to be vulnerable and meeting people where they're at um, and not being afraid of the place that they're in. Um, and so I think that um, can you guys talk a little bit as, as an evangelist of being um, not just like you said, some people are just in the church realm where you're evangelizing to people. It's like I heard an evangelist a while ago say half my job is bringing Christians to Jesus um, cause it's like, you're only speaking to the church and that's not bad to be encouraging. But at the same time, um, being in that place where you are taking that, you know, outside the church to, you know, um, just real life situations. So what, what is the responsibility, um, or the kind of role of an evangelist or a pastor or a prophet to be amongst the people, um, and on their level in the trenches, as opposed to kind of being up on this high standard, trying to pull somewhere and somewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, Paul made a powerful statement. He said, to a Jew, I became a Jew. To a Greek, I became a Greek, that I'm a him to Christ. So what I've done is, you know, I've met them at their level. You cannot uh, try to relate to people 
if you don't know, if you don't understand the culture, and you cannot uh, uh, convince people if 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 you're not connecting with them at their level. In other words, you have to have some kind of empathy uh, to reach people at their level where they can they can feel and understand. Hey, this guy understands me. I'm not safe. I'm not a Christian, and I'm hearing what he has to say. But I wanna I want him to hear what I have to say. So as you connect with people and they understand that you understand that you you understand them. Am I making sense here? Mm-hmm, yeah. That, that you understand them, that you've given them a voice. You know, you give, you're letting them identify who they are. And when you connect with people at that level, then they can open up to hear the gospel. Am, mm-hmm. I, am I making sense? Absolutely. Yeah, so a lot of times... Uh, we just want to judge people and we just want to uh, just give them what we believe and everything. But a lot of times people just want to be heard. If you can let them speak and if you can let them say what they're on, what's on their minds, it'll be a lot easier for them to be comfortable with this. Okay, now this guy's relating to me. He feels me. Um, he's listening to me. I can listen to this guy because he's listening to me. Hmm. It's easier uh, to become that and to reach people than to just stay within the church mentality and say, okay, it's this is the way it is. This is the gospel. Take it or leave it. You know? Am yeah. I making sense? No, absolutely. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, in our presentation, we got to give people the opportunity to, to, um, to feel it out. I mean, because really, there, a lot of people don't want to accept something that they don't know of, you know, or they don't want right. to accept something that they feel they're going to be mocked for their ignorance. And that, that was me. I didn't, want, I didn't want to have anything to do with church because I didn't want to go to Mass, you know, when I was a, a young little Catholic kid. I wouldn't want to go to Mass because I didn't know when to say certain things, you know. I was terrified, you know, going in there like, <laughs> when am I going to say, you know, and also with you, and when to kneel, and when to stand, and when to whatever, you know. And I, I just did not want to feel like I wasn't part of the crowd. Hmm. And so a lot of people don't want to... Um, don't want to talk about religion, don't want to go to church because they don't know what to expect. So they feel they feel really lost in that. So I was sharing that a couple of maybe last week in our in our services about you belong and how, you know, some people just didn't don't want to go to church because they feel ignorant about um, about religion and they'll they'll feel like they, they'll, they'll be mocked for not mm. fitting in so in the same sense is that I think it's important for us to have dialogue mm, with them and right. and for the evangelist the evangelist has a long term see now you have we have two different ideas about evangelism uh, evangelist sometimes we can think is some guy coming through with a tent and you know and all the sparkly three-piece suit you know and the whole thing <laughs> and hair just hair just not nice and right <laughs> and passing around the offering basket and whatever and then moving on I mean you know, we, we might have that kind of mentality of evangelists, but actually the evangelists within the church, there's many of them within the church body that have a long-term um a long-term approach to evangelism where they befriend people, begin to walk with people mm. in their lives, and they're not even saved. They're neighbors and friends and relatives Survival. and co-workers. So they're they're working on They do have a secret agenda. The secret agenda is to bring them Christ. But they're they're just working and hearing their story and and helping them to feel not I mean, say it this way, not feel stupid about their their misunderstanding about God, the misunderstanding about church. And so they're there to diffuse that and to help them through that dialogue and then these folks feel yeah you're hearing me out i I would like to see this and check it out because then they come into the church and they go whoa it's not that bad 
Oh, it's really not that bad. That's totally. pretty cool. Here you actually can learn and ask exactly. questions and not be thrown out, mm. you know, by some guy who looks like, you know, Quaker Oats, you know? Yeah. And so. <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit more about that because it's something I do value about both of you is that you do have that evangelistic power and that calling, but also you guys are pastors. Um, so sometimes, you know, evangelists can be kind of seen as that hit and run, like you can come and you wreck people and then you just leave and then you're left, those people are left with a pastor and the pastor has to be the one that's grinding it out, you know, in the trenches with those people, the good days, the bad days. Um, and so you talked about a sermon series about belonging. Um, and there's, I don't know if you guys know, uh, who Brene Brown is, um, but she's one of my favorite writers and she talks a book about vulnerability and belonging and that, that when they did a research about, uh, what is something that every human being has a desire for and it's one to belong um, and in that to be seen, to be valued, understood and known. And so you touched on all of those um, without even thinking about that because it's so true. People want to belong. And so um, I would like to hear both of you guys talk about um, being in a pastoral role and what it takes to what it takes to belong Um but also the power of empathy. So the power of empathy, that role it plays in helping people to belong with who they are, where they're at, because um, obviously people are on a full spectrum um, of their journey. Uh, so I'm sure that's it's a very difficult role. Uh, so the wisdom that you've learned about belonging. Well, one of the things that everybody's so everybody's unique. Everybody, everybody's story is so unique. Some coming from single mothers, great families, broken families, no family. Um, you know the 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 generation we live in. So a lot, there's a lot of different facets, and so we can't cookie cut. And um, and I really feel that first of all is being their friends. You know, hmm. being in their lives and being a part of their lives. And um, I think that's so important. Um, what people don't need in a church is um, some kind of a strict membership or this this kind of type of membership that kind of guarantees um, their their place or belonging. But I think what they need is this friendship, community, relationships um, that are genuine. And I think that's, I can just say, for me, coming into the church, that's what it was for me. It, mm, it was so awkward for people to ask me, hey, what are you going to do after church? Let's go. Let's go have <laughs> some lunch. And I was like, uh, like well, are you going to interrogate me or why? You know, I was kind of like, no one asked you for lunch, you know, and we all went out to lunch and had fellowship and they wanted to hear my story. Huh. And I was like, wow, that's cool. And then so the next week, hey, let's go out to, and pretty soon I had friends, a whole bunch of new friends and they were friends hmm. and so and and brothers and family to the point i can say this and i've said this in front of my family that it was this family was closer than my own biological family i had this beautiful family that i really fit in and from that you can speak into people's lives yeah, totally. from that you can minister and know that that they know hey you got their best interest at stake you you really care for them you're you're there you're not coming at them and say hey you're cramping my style so you better shape up it's more like shape up man because i love you and i want to help you and you have that relationship and totally. i think that's that is important that's something that the church was designed in the beginning um and when you see the size of the average synagogue um in israel where let's go to the source you know the average size of the synagogues were 40 to 50 people and um and everybody who went to that synagogue lived within half a mile because hmm. of course you couldn't walk more than a mile right on the sabbath so everybody was within that community throughout the week so you lived in this community you went to church with this community and that's how the christian church was hmm. today we have these stadiums 
where unfortunately you don't ha- don't have always that relationship huh. and and there's a lot of people that that really want to grow they're excited but they don't know what to do and they're sitting there and no one even knows their gifts or anything because again relationships are very difficult in those large forums yeah it's really it's really interesting i was just listening to a professional football player talk about the difference between community and relationship you know you can be part of community and be passing it's kind of like that go to church and how you doing oh good how you doing good and we could be going through the worst you know toil of our life but relationship requires investment you know and so that's where it's you know it's that choice that says okay i'm going to choose to put myself in this place where i have to be in the trench of these people in the days when i want to go home and sleep i'm still here cleaning up and the time when I go and want to go out to eat, I'm here praying with this person to walk them through. And that's that's that sacrifice, that choice, you know, that takes not only a toll on you, but also your time, your family, your emotions. Um, and so when we talk about, you know, that um, that relationship as far as, you know, community and um, relationship, I heard a pastor. I want to get your guys' take on this. He says, you know, a while ago, we talked a lot about the Jezebel spirit for like, 10 to 15 years where it was just like rampant. Everybody was Jezebel there, Jezebel there. Um, and so he was talking about now there's, there's a Judas spirit basically saying that we have a lot of people because of the individualism that we've kind of stepped into in a nation um, where the Judas spirit basically says, I want intimacy without commitment. So I want to be here. I want to reap all the rewards without me having to give anything back. You know, so whether that be a receiving culture or be in a relationship where you're, you know, you have a co-home or you're living with somebody that you're not married to. It's like, well, we don't have to sign a piece of paper. You know, we can have all the benefits without, you know, any of the sacrifice. And so you kind of get into that contract relationship as opposed to covenant. Um, so, I mean, what, what do you think about what do you think about that, you know, intimacy as opposed to commitment and um, what role that plays in a church and people being involved in in relationship with one another where we are built to belong. We are built for community. Um, and so what do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's can become a big problem if we don't correct it. Hmm. I, I, I think, uh, dealing with the new generation coming up, the millennial generation, which my kids are millennials themselves. Uh, you're absolutely right They They want to don't want the commitment uh, and responsibility that comes with uh, the, the sacrifice. Hmm. I, I call it the microwave generation where they want everything instant. But I, I think with, if you build a relationship, back to what Pastor Tyrone was saying, that was so cute, so couldn't agree any more than that. Um, Jesus called his uh, disciples, I, you're my friends. I laid down my life for my friends. And the book of Acts, if you look at it, they had fellowship. They said they broke bread. They went from house to house breaking bread and establishing relationships. I think if you establish a solid relationship with empathy, Hmm. we can conquer that. If we don't, we're going to see more of that Judas spirit taking over and causing a major problem in our churches. Yeah, because I think you see, um, you guys probably more than me where you see people like church hopping or as soon as something doesn't happen the way they want, then it's on to the next one. We just, um, I just had a, uh, that happened to me not too long ago. Huh. Like yesterday. Was it yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday someone that's called crazy. me and told me 
thank you, Pastor. I love you. Um, I'm going to leave. And I was asking him why. And he goes, well, you know, God spoke to me. You know, God goes, spoke to you. Well, where are you going? He goes, well, I don't want to tell you. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he says, I don't want to tell you. It's my decision. You know, uh, you it's know, my right. It's my right. Uh, you know, I choose not to save. I love you. Thank you for everything you invested into me. And uh, uh, can you pray for me? So he wanted my blessing, uh, you know, to, to release him. But yet, you know, he didn't leave right. But still, you see, that, that's what we're yeah. dealing with, the millennial. Hmm. The, the individualism. Individualism. Yes, that's what it is. The individualism that we're dealing with, that, you know, they don't, uh, these days, they, uh, if you say anything or try to bring discipline, they leave right away, they get offended. Hmm. They, it's so easy to church hop. Yeah. Because there's no sacrifice in building a solid relationship. There's no commitment in that relationship. So, you know, we have to deal with it, and uh, we are dealing with it, and we have to build relationships on that area of empathy and just connect with people so we can avoid most uh, more of these situations that I just experienced yesterday. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I had a good conversation with a good friend of mine, Tyler Hansen, because um, I'm a personal trainer, and so I recently left the gym where you know you spend five days a week with the same people at their most vulnerable place. You know, sometimes it's the only their only me time that they have is at the gym, um, and so I know that was probably one of the toughest things that I've ever done is stepping out um, from that. Well, one because you feel like you're you know you're letting people down. Your leader, they're looking to you for you know leadership or inspiration or whatever the case may be. Um, and it was hitting me really hard. And uh, he, he said something. He had a professor at college. He went to Northwest University in Kirkland. Um, and, that, and he says he remembers specifically his, his professor said, leaving a church should be the hardest thing you ever do in your life because of how invested you've become in relationship. Um, and so he used that as an encouragement to me. It's like you, it's not something you're not doing something wrong. You actually did something right that you are that torn about leaving people because of how much you invested. Um, and so – you know, we can talk about a problem, you know, of people hopping and we can talk about, say, a millennial mindset. Um, but how do we encourage, you know, how do we encourage relationship where people feel a desire and um, the value of relationship? You know, it's kind of like you said, when you went to church, it was like you have this misconception in your mind that like you have to fit in and you have to say the right things and you have to be a cookie cutter. And in some churches, unfortunately, that is the way it is. It is. But, you know, how do we encourage besides the way we live our life? I'm really big on you can inspire the world around you by them watch, watching you live your life, you know, minus a word that you're saying. You know, it's only going to mean so much. But when they watch you walk it out and they watch you being consistent, you're like something's different about that person when that person speaks they carry weight you know and so you know what what is the solution as far as encouraging people obviously you know there's some people who are not going to be you know ready to step into relationship based on where they're at in their life or trust issues that they've had in the past and obviously healing is necessary um but how do we how do we invite people into that life because i mean we can't just stop at a problem and say millennial 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 over and over again because it goes all the way up obviously the baby boomers and above had the same issue you know just in a different way yes so what is the solution as far as inviting people into relationship you think uh well i I would say um 
the easiest way there's if we're talking about evangelism there's a great book out there by robert e coleman called the master plan of evangelism evangelism. Mm. and that is a great um tool because what it does it says okay this is how we're going to do it first of all jesus prayed let's look at the first people he started to reach he prayed all night and god led him and he began to select these men he went Mm. and selected them one by one so as as you're talking here and what could come to my mind is that the best way is one by one just one by one you select them you Mm. target them if you're a christian out there and you're in your church and you're wondering you know if god's you know giving you some kind of gift of evangelism or what have you or you want to just start the process and help people in that way of of coming into a community or a relationship in the church, the best way is you got to select. You have to target. Target that person. Okay, I'm going to go after Joe. Okay, he's my target. So I'm selecting. I'm going after him. Then the next step talks about not only selection, that Jesus chose them, but then the next one was he associated with them. So Hmm. now he stayed with them, and he became transparent. Hey, this is where I live. This is who I am. Come. And so, so that's the process that needs to start. You have to select. You have to have a target. And then you go after that person, either saved or not saved, and you go after that person and you spend time with them. And because of the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life, it begins to flow out of your life into the life of that person that you're ministering to and becoming real. And you become, you learn empathy, you learn compassion, you learn grace, you learn, uh, uh, you know, uh, commitment to them and encouraging them. And these people find, hey, I got, this guy's a friend, you know, that doesn't mean that they're going to come to your church like the next week or in the next year it might be a long process i know some guys today that are solid serving god today but it took three four years of their neighbor working with them Hmm. spending time with them putting up with their 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 foul mouth (laughs) and their and their drunken ways and picking them up off the lawn you know and getting them to the porch at two in the two in the morning so these are things that you know you're there, and but you know that through time you're working with this person, you're bringing them to uh, a relationship with Christ. And I know that when somebody experiences that, when I experience what I did, I experienced people reaching out to me, befriending me, then I just did the same. Hmm. And I started befriending and, and going that direction rather than more of individualism. It was yeah. more kind of like, hey, I want you to meet the family of God, come and meet this family, come and you know, connect. And so you. You it just you just breed what you've been out there to select in yeah. a sense you know. So I have a testimony of a guy that came to our church. Testify then. Yeah, he he uh, came ten years straight, very very super faithful for ten years. Wow. Very, came on Sundays. Came, I mean, very faithful. Didn't miss, but he came drunk for ten years straight. Wow. That's consistency right there. That's consistency. <laughs> and sometimes he disrupted the service, like, preach it, pastor. You know? and, and, and but Communion ten, every Sunday. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was faithful. He came during a week. I forgot how. But he came 10 years straight faithfully. Wow. And after 10 years, he gave up drinking. He got his act together. Began to have ministry. But what I didn't do is condemn him or judge him. Like like you said, I put up with it. I blessed him. I, you know, try to meet him at his level. And and you know, and you know, no one messed with him in our church. And we just you know, we just were there for him. Yeah. We were there for him. So because I did not condemn him, and I know he was an alcoholic, but he loved our church because you know, no one condemned him and no one criticized him. He was able to stop drinking. 
his wife stopped smoking uh, PCP, and they became fantastic people in our church. But the key was, like you said, Pastor Tyrone, meet them at their level and just be there for them and sacrifice for them and love them and keep on imparting into them. Because that's discipleship. What the church is lacking these days is discipleship. There's a million books on everything under the sun, but you hardly find books on discipleship because discipleship cannot be taught. It has to be caught. Right. It has to and, be imparted. And I, and I feel, too, is that discipleship is a large component of evangelism. Mm-hmm. Because yes, it is. we can win them, but if we don't build them, then you can't send them. And so I, I think that... Say that again. Say that again. <laughs> Very critical. <laughs> yeah. If you, well, if you win them and then you can't build them, then you can't send them. Hmm. So I, I think it's, uh, it's discipleship definitely is a component of evangelism. But what I really feel, too, is that um, if, when a church loses its evangelism, when an organization loses evangelism, loses the sense of going out and reaching the lost then, you know, we're basically in decline. That's mm-hmm. where you're in decline in a lot of ways, spiritually. Because what brings vitality to the church and what brings vitality to 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 uh, to to a community is new births. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go to, you know, I mean, can you imagine that all of a sudden that people are starting stopping to have, you know, uh, infants or baby, we're not having babies no more. Can you imagine? I mean, that's that's the existence yeah. of, of, of uh, who we are. And as Christians, we stop having new births. We have a lot of uh, we have a lot of transplants we have a lot of recyclable you know material in the church you know that that's 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 there they go from one place to another like you were saying you know but but we have to realize that we need new re, real uh, births and and that's so important that that's that's should always be the key if you mm-hmm. were to put me in, in kind of just in, in maybe in a category of, of interest, my category will be evangelism. It, it'll be like, hey, I will stick to evangelism. That's what, what's more important. If I feel that I need to minister to a church from an evangelistic point of view, I'm just going to speak on evangelism and winning the loss and stirring the crowd to go mm-hmm. win the loss because that is the very heartbeat of who we are and who God is, who God and is, yeah. Yeah. and so it's like um, there's only there's it's a beautiful thing, and, and I like to say this is that there's no other time in the scriptures, no other time in angelic experience that they celebrate, but they only celebrate for one coming to Christ. Hmm. So when they are in heaven and there's that beautiful party in heaven and the and the presence before the angels and there's this beautiful celebration, it's because of one sinner coming to Christ. And it's on. not because of the worship, not because you wrote a new book, not because of anything else, but yes. because of one What's, coming to Christ. Right. You're absolutely right. And so that's, that's the heartbeat. So that, I really feel that today... I pray that the church today in general starts to look at evangelism where in a sense of, wow, you know what, we need to come back to. I pray that it's in the conferences. I pray it's now in, in, more, in, in yes. more of its thrust yes. and teaching. I, that's what I'm praying for. that the, the evangel- uh, And then from that, evangelists will rise out yes. of the churches and realize their role in the church as well. Not just like, well, you know, I'm not called to go here and there. because, you know, some of our great evangelists, unfortunately, have become missionaries. Missionaries. <laughs> you know? That's a big mistake, I would, yes. think, I would think. And so, you know, we need them in the in the body of Christ. You know, we don't need to send them away. We need we need them in the body of Christ. Well, I, think there's a, I think there's a direct, you know, uh, impact with 
the individualism and that value for an evangelist because you know when you're individualistic and in this culture it's kind of like you do you i do, I do me, me. Right. i i don't care about what you got going on i'm worried about me you know i've seen that you know even like doing partner workouts at the gym where they're like i don't like my concern is no one else but my own yeah i do me and so yeah, when right. you t- look at that in, in an evangelistic place you know i believe that in it to be an evangelist, you have to have an incredible amount of empathy. One, two, you have to have a vision. You know, you have to be able to say that again. Say it again. You have to have a vision. Critical. To, yes, right part there. to partner with God's vision for people. Yes. You know, because if I can't look past the circumstance, then I can't look any farther past where they're at than they can. You know, but my job, you know, I would say as an evangelist, to partner with the Lord's vision. What does that person look like connected to you? Your presence. Uh, or as Sean Bowles would say, crossing the finish line with trophy in hand. Like, what does that person look like completely connected to the fullness of you and them in their life? And that's the way I'm viewing them, and that's the filter in which I'm looking through the world. And so as an, evangel- as an evangelist, you know, I'm not treating the symptom. I'm treating, you know, the heart issue of what God's saying deep in their spirit. You know, some, I'm giving them something they can attach their faith to for now. You know, and um, I think that goes across the board, no matter what kind of seat you hold, whether it's prophecy or pastoral, you know, it requires vision um, because it takes a sacrifice for me to think about you enough to think about what God's saying about you and then to put myself in your shoes of how we're walking this thing out together. Um, and so, um, I know you guys, you guys are both pastors, but I think you guys also have an incredible amount of empathy because you guys didn't grow up in the easiest of neighborhoods. One, two, it wasn't a cookie cutter thing growing up. It was a scrap or die, you know? And so, you know, it, it creates an empathy because you don't just see the action. You see what people have to do to survive, you know? And so sometimes you had to scrap. Sometimes, you know, people are here selling drugs because that's the only thing they know to feed their family. And, you know, if you're secluded or you are disconnected from that community, all you see is this topographical sin as opposed to that person's hurt that's causing them to do X, Y, and Z. Um, but I do want to talk to you guys a little bit about um, your guys' stories. I, I don't know what, when you guys met a long time ago or shortly a long thereof. time ago. Um, so I wanted you guys to be able to share a couple of experiences that you guys got to share together, whether it was here or abroad or some cool stories that you guys have that, uh, you would want the world to know. You want to go? You want me to go? Okay. Well, I'm, I met him a long time ago, like 30 years. Is that 30 years? Yeah. So dang. Yeah. yeah, So I met him a long time ago. You guys are OGs. Yeah. We, we connected right away. I, I, I mean, we, been friends for many, many long years. We traveled together. I mean, we, I've been with him in the Philippines. That's when I first seen him use that gadget. Remember that? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Some kind of uh, futuristic yeah, mini yeah. iPad. S- that sermon in the hand. That didn't come out yet. And I go, this guy's not preaching out of the Bible. He's preaching <laughs> out of some kind of gadget. And it caught my attention. And, uh, you know, it, the thing about our relationship is, is that we keep it real. There's no mm. facade there. Uh, we're really connected. We, even if I don't see him, don't talk to him for a while, nothing changes. And uh, uh, I've preached for his church. He's preached for my church. I mean, it, it's an incredible relationship, you know. Mm. I, I mean, I've seen his kids grow up, you know. And, um, you know, he's seen mines grow up. I mean, it's just a fantastic friendship. And uh, we're laboring for the Lord. We're building churches and planting churches. And, you know, we're evangelistic. 
He travels all over the world. I travel all over the world. I mean, we got a lot of things in common. So what's one of the craziest things you've seen? Of him? Or you? Or you've seen around the world? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, if you want crazy, yeah. What's the craziest thing Tyrone's ever done? I I do crazy. Yeah, he does crazy. I'm crazy. Uh, um, As far as in the ministry? I mean... You can't separate life with, and ministry. That's all one. No. So just give me the craziest thing. Okay. Well, I guess the craziest, one of the, was several of them, is when um, uh, I was preaching as an evangelist and I stand up there and I tell the people, hey, God wants to heal you. God wants to do a miracle. God wants to do this, that, and the other. And, you know, I'm hoping that they're going to bring somebody with a cold or a flu so I can work up my faith. So they bring somebody in a wheelchair I'm like, are you kidding Zero me? Zero to 100 real quick. I go, are you kidding me? I'm, 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 I'm trying to get someone, you know, let me work up my faith. I want to heal someone, you know, who's got a cold or, you know, a flu or something, a headache, you know, or even maybe I can even go as far as back pain, but they bring the big burrito from the beginning. <laughs> so they wheel up like a... Grande. Yeah, they, they wheel up a young lady. She's about 25 years old, about 20, 25, between 22 and 25. They bring her up. And I'm looking at her, and I go, oh, my goodness. And now I'm in a position where I'm telling everybody God's going to heal someone. And I told her, you believe God can heal you? And she kind of like looks like, hello, you, you said that God's going to heal me. <laughs> so now I'm put in a position where it's crazy. And uh, all of a sudden I prayed for her, and nothing happened. And I prayed for a girl, and nothing happened. I go, well, get up, you know. And I'm like, well, if you don't get healed, you don't got no faith. You know, don't throw it off on me. So all of a sudden, like, God comes on the scene and says, get out of the pulpit. Step down. You're disqualified. I'm like, what? And he's like, you're disqualified. Don't you ever preach what you don't believe. Huh. So I was, it basically, God was firing me as an evangelist. And I go, oh, don't fire me right now. This <laughs> ain't the time. So it freaked me out. Slip. Yeah, it freaked me out when he, when I heard, you know, when you know when, when you feel like, you know what, step down. You know, it's like you you hear God speaking to you. You know, you're disqualified because you're preaching what you don't believe, and you're a fake up there. Check that out. And, um, and I, so what happens is, right away you gotta get it together. You gotta repent. So I stepped down from there, and I said, you know what, I need to really believe God. I'm preaching something I don't believe. This is not right. You know. So, you know, you get it together, I repented, and I reached down to her, and I said, do you believe God can heal you? And, she, and now, by this time, I'm more than likely getting annoying to that lady, yeah, you know? Exactly. She's like, you're annoying, you keep on repeating. So what I did is I picked her up, I, I really believe, at that moment, I really believed God that God was going to heal her. So I reached down in there, and not only did I believe it, I accepted it, because we could preach, and we could believe, but the Bible says the demons believe, but I, not only did I uh-huh. believe, I accepted it. That God was going to heal her. And I picked her up, and she began to do like a noodle, like she was going to fall. I go, oh, my goodness. If she falls, <laughs> I'm in deep trouble. But what happened is she began to straighten up her legs and began to straighten up her legs, and she got healed, and she walked right out of the church. Her friends fell on the ground. One of her friends fell on the, on the floor, was rolling around on the floor, crying and weeping because she knew she was crippled. She knew she was in that wheelchair. You know, uh-huh. and she knew that was no fake healing. She knew God really healed her. So she fell to the floor, swarming, I mean, just weeping and crying. So finally, I guess she gets up, and all her friends meet her outside, and she starts fellowshipping outside, and I got mad. I go, the nerve of that lady. She didn't even thank me. And then uh-huh. God comes on the scene again and says, she doesn't need Finish to thank him. you. She uh-huh. doesn't need to thank you. She needs to thank me. 
Oh. So that's one of the craziest things. I got many more, but that's one of them. I bet. And I would say that when um, in when there's ever evangelism, and I can say this to some of you Christians out there that are bored with your walk with God. Come on, you're really bored. It's mundane, same old Sunday on the same old seat, hearing the same old sermon. I mean, what have you. And you come to that point. You want action in your life. You want some adventure. Evangelize. <laughs> Evangelize mm. opens up the spiritual gates. It opens up, uh, you know, spontaneous uh, combustion is what I, what I say. And, and that's what gets so exciting about evangelism. You don't know you can't plan it. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the response. You don't know what kind of demonic activity that you're going to come against. But that's okay because it's under our feet. But, huh. you know, there, there's some activity. Look in the book of Acts. The book of action was all about miracles and wonders and, and evangelism all combined together that made this, 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 this scenario in the book of Acts so exciting. Yes, mm. it was dangerous, but yet it was so exciting. And a lot of those miracles, I say 90%, uh, uh, didn't even happen in the church. You know, I mean, if anything happened in the church, probably in a church setting was, you know, Ananias Sapphira falling dead at Peter's feet. But anyways, that was another, that's another sermon. That's but outside of the walls, outside of the walls, it was activity. It was spiritual activity. It was, it was exciting adventure. And so mm -hmm. I say that because when um, Pastor Abraham is ministering in the evangelistic capacity, you know, people are bringing unsaved people to church and, and there's an atmosphere of expect, expectation, believe. God for some crazy things to happen and they happen but if it's just the same old sermon and a guy's just going to give a nice little motivational speech and that's all you're going to get but if you believe God you know that hey bring your friends bring your loved ones bring bring people that aren't saved then God is going to show them something. God's going to show up in an adventurous way. And so I just want to say to the Christian that is bored and, and wondering, man, this, you know, church is a chore. It doesn't have to be. It could be exciting by you stepping out in an evangelistic way and seeing God do some great things. Hmm. I agree 100%. Uh, I, before we close here, I, I, I believe that uh, the church that doesn't evangelize or the, the ministry doesn't evangelize, has no vision. Hmm. And with there's no vision, the Bible says people perish. Night, night. Hmm, that's so good. Well, we are bringing this thing to close, but I did want to uh, just thank the both of you uh, for both of you guys' service as pastors and people, those who travel, because um, it does take a lot of time, does take a lot of energy, um, and that's not something that you have to do. It's something that you guys choose to do, uh, and you probably feel that sometimes it, it chooses it for you. Um, but the time that you guys have to invest in people. So I know that takes a lot of uh, emotion and it takes a lot of time and prayer. So I just want to thank both of you guys, both you, Pastor Tyrone and uh, Pastor Abraham. But um, thank you guys so much for listening to this. Hope you guys pulled something out of this uh, that you can take and, and run with. But we out.